We are learning Daf Kuf Mem Beis and starting from the top of the Amad Aleph by the two dots where the Gemara is analyzing the case called Kalav Evan Besocha. The mission said if you have a basket, basket is not muksa. Inside of the basket is a rock. A rock is muksa. So the mission says that you're allowed to move them. Since I'm not moving the rock, I'm only moving the basket. So it's okay. So the Gemara says, is that true? If I might. The Gemara challenges. In Svarat, have a Kalkala Basis of ours. We have a principle of Basis that when a muksa item is held by a non muksa item, the non muksa item becomes. Bottle becomes muksa just like the muksa item is holding. So here, the basket, since it's holding a stone, the basket, the basket should also become muksa. So the Gemara says, "Amar Avakan Rabbi Yochanan, Halachavokam It doesn't. The basket is not only holding a rock; it is also holding fruits. Fruits are klishmalachdolaheter. Fruits are aterim. I'm sorry. So fruits are totally mutter, not muksa. So since the the basket is holding one muksa item and one non muksa item, and here the more significant thing we're saying is the non muksa item. So the fact that the rock is there, it doesn't turn doesn't turn the basket into a basis. If a if a basket would only be holding a rock, it would be a basis. But if it's holding a rock and fruit, then we say it's more servicing the fruit than it is to the rock. So therefore, you're allowed to move the basket. But the Gemara says, okay, very good. We understand why the basket is not a basis. It's not muksa itself, but still. What's my header to move the basket around with the rock? You should have to you should have to spill out the fruit and the stone onto the ground, and then pick up all the fruit and put it in the basket, and uh, you'll be able to move everything without moving the stone. Meaning, even in a case where that doesn't become a bosses, but still, when you move the basket, you're moving the rock in it. So, what's your header to do that? You're saying, oh, because it's the only way to do it. It's not true. You could also spill. You could spill out the rock and the and all the fruit and pick up the fruit, put it back in the basket. Everything will be fine. So what's your head there ultimately to walk around with the basket that has the rock in it, even if there are fruits inside? So the Gemara says, the same Rabbi in the name of Rab about something else that we're talking about fruit that can get dirty if it falls on the ground. We're talking about a fruit that can get messed up and ruined if it falls on the ground. So. This din, what I think the way to paraphrase what the Rishon will call it is chovas ni'or, the obligation to spill it out. That meaning I'm really primarily moving a non-mux item. I'm moving a basket. The basket's not a bosses because there are fruits inside as well besides the rock. So if everything is there and it's easy to spill out the mux item, then we expect you to do that. So if it wouldn't be a big deal to spill out, spill out the rock and the fruit and pick it up, we would expect you to. But if you have a good legitimate excuse why you don't want to do that, which you do here, you have here, because if you would spill out the rock and the fruit, then the fruit might get ruined. So as long as you have a good reason why you don't want to do the near, why you don't want to spill it out, then that can warrant moving the basket together with the rock, despite the fact that you're also moving the rock. It's viewed as an indirect moving that's just there because you're moving the basket and the fruit. So to summarize, had there just been a rock, everything would be a bosses. You can't move the basket at all. If there is a rock and fruit, and the fruit would not be spoiled if you would, would not become ruined if you spill it out, then you have an obligation to for, to spill out the contents and then pick up the fruit and move them. But if you, the mission was talking about fruits that would get ruined, now everything makes sense. It's not a buses, and you can move the basket with the fruits and the rock, no problem whatsoever. Says the Gemara, that's all. That's no, not, not a good excuse. Why can't you just shake out the stone? But you're right. If the only option is to spill out all the fruits in the stone, you can say that the fruits might get ruined. But why don't you just shake out the stone? So the Gemara says, normally have to be dealing with is that the basket had a, had a gap. It was missing part of the basket. So the stone itself wasn't a random stone that was being held in the basket. The stone is actually becoming a part of the basket. It's filling in the hole. So if it's becoming part of the basket, it's becoming a chilek of the kli. It's not muksa. In Tona, we've been assuming that it's holding the rocks or the rocks muksa, so it's holding something that's muksa. The Gemara is saying, no, the rock is serving a purpose. It's becoming part of the kli. It's filling in the gap that's in the kli. 
So it becomes part of the structure of the basket, and therefore it's not moksa at all. And now everything, going back to step one, all of our questions are answered. Really, we don't need anything complicated here. The Gemara's original question is, why is the rock not turning the basket into a basis? The answer is, is that the rock is not a moksa item. The rock is actually a part of the kli. It's considered to be part of the wall. Okay, then the next case in the Mishnah Metazel and Truma. It says you can move Truma, that's Tamei, together with Truma, that's Tahar, or together with Hulin. Now remember, Truma, that's Tamei, is Muxa. Truma, that's Hulin, is not Muxa, and Hulin is not Muxa. So you're allowed to move them together. So the Gemara qualifies. This is only true if the Tahar Truma is on the bottom of the basket, and the Tamei Truma is on top of it. So therefore, there's no real way, there's no real way to get the Truma, the Truma Tamei off. And that's why you're allowed to move it all together. But if the tar truma is down the top and the tummy truma is on the bottom, so what's your right to carry the basket with both truma? You just take off the tar truma that's out of the, that's on the top out of the basket and carry it by itself and leave the whole basket with the tummy truma behind. So that's the point that Gamar is making. Is that we have to look at this case. You're holding a basket with two types of truma, one that smokes and one that's not. So again, the Gamar is expecting you not, not to be able to move all of them Unless you have a legitimate excuse why you need to. Again, you're moving two things, one's muksa, one nam, one's not muksa, and you're doing this for the needs of the non muksa thing. Are you allowed to do that? If you have a legitimate reason why you have to do it that way, you could. But if not, not. So the Gemara is saying it only makes sense if the Tame one is on top. But if the Tar one is on top, you don't have a good reason. So just take the Tar the tar stuff off by itself and only carry that. You have no right to move the, the Tame stuff as well. Says the Gemara, even if the Tar trim is on the bottom, so you can't get it by itself. You should spill off the Trima. That, to the ground and just spill it all out and then and then and then just collect the, the collect the tar trim that's on the ground and carry it so if you're right that the chovas near so then what's the license in the mission you're saying oh because the tar trim is on the bottom so you can't access it so what just spill everything out so our answer is what we were saying this is where he made the ukimta that we're dealing with the char fruits that would get ruined if they would spill to the ground so it's not considered a good option you have a good excuse why you don't want to spill it out. So once you have a good excuse why you don't want to spill it out, so if the tar trim is on top, still just take the tar trim and go. But if the the the, the tummy trim is on top, now we understand you have no you have no option, and that's why you can carry it off. Says the Gemara, we have a kasha of no chizah from the bride. It says metalton trim atzmei matzor of machulin. You can move trim of that tummy together with chulin with with trim of that star with chulin. Here it says black and white in the bride that you're allowed to move it either way. It doesn't make a difference whether it's on top or on bottom. According to Rafista, we said if the tar trim is on top, then uh, you, in order to move it, you ha- you can't carry all of it. You have to take off the trim of that tar and move it by itself. So the Gemara says, Amalachar Rafista, Masnisan Sarakuf, our mission was talking about a case where you needed to use the tar trim, you were going to use it, meaning you were going to eat it. So if you're going to eat it, so then, so then, so then you have no real reason why you can't just take off the trim, the tar trim by itself. You have no good excuse. Why you want to move the tummy trimmer with it? So therefore, the the only thing you're allowed to do is take off the tar the tar trimmer need. But price or the price we're talking about is the tar makoma, where you needed its place. There was a huge basket with tar trimmer, tummy trimmer all there, and you needed the space where it was. So here, it's not not going to help me at all for my needs to remove the tar trimmer because if I leave the basket behind, I still haven't freed up the space. So here, when I want to move it, I have the ability to say that um, I, I have no option of moving everything unless I move it all together, and therefore I do. So that's the Gemara's answer. So the only reason why Rav Chista was saying in our Mishnah that in limiting the case that that the tar stuff is on the bottom is, and not if the tar stuff is on top, because when it's on the top, you can take it. Rav Chista was saying that because Rav Chista understood that in our Mishnah, the person was going to use the tar stuff. He was going to eat it. But if you would need it for its place, where you wouldn't be accomplishing anything by taking the tar trim off, then in the Chanam, Rav Chista would agree 
that you could move it all together, even if the tar stacks on top. So the Gemara says, well, my so what told Rav Chista that our mission is talking about someone who's going to eat the truma, and therefore he has to limit the mission and only be talking about a case where the tar, where the tar truma is on the bottom. Why not say the mission is talking about like the bryser where it's, you need it for its own place, and then the mission would be true more than in, 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 in a non-limited way, that you can move it anyway. That would that would be the postures of the mission. Rav Chista is coming along and, and forcing limitations in the Seder Abshad and saying, no, the mission only means where the tar truma is on the bottom. He's only saying that because he understands the Mishnah is talking about someone who's going to eat the fruit. Maybe not. Maybe someone here is coming to need the fruit, the space where the fruit is, where you're not going to accomplish anything if you take the tar truma off, and then you can move it even if the tar truma is on top. So Amarava Masisim Kavase Daika. The reason was because there's actually an implication in the Mishnah, like Rav Chesed Akani We're going to learn in the next Mishnah. It says, Mo Shalakar, if there's money that's on a pillow, Menar Zakar you can shake out the pillow so that it falls off. You're not allowed to move the pillow. You're not allowed to move the pillow with the with the money because you have a chovas near. You just shake it off. That only makes sense. That only makes sense that you shake off the money in a case where you're going to use the pillow. You're going to use the pillow. If you need this for its place, so then it's not going to accomplish anything to spill the money off because then you have the money in its spot. You haven't freed up the place. So if you need the, to use the spot where the pillow was, so then you have a hazmat on the other. You can just move it to a different place. You know, you don't have to spill out the money. You can just move the whole thing, the pillow with the money, to a different spot. So we see that the understand the next Mishnah, which says that you spill, you have to shake out the money from the pillow. So that only makes sense if we're going to be using it with Sarakufo. So with the safe with Sarakufo, since the next case in the Mishnah is talking about a case of someone using it for its own sake, Grishan Ahmed Sarakufo. So to hear by the Tarachuma, the movement of the Tarachuma is only Tarakufo. In other words, someone's coming to eat it. And so Rav Chista then therefore said that we have to limit the Mishnah and say that the Tarachuma is on the bottom. Because if the Tarachuma would be on top and you just want to eat the Tarachuma, that's the purpose of your movements. So instead of moving the whole thing, why don't you just take the part of the Tarachuma and take it off and eat it? Says we have to limit the mission to be talking about that the tar truma is on the bottom. But in Akhanami, if somebody needed the space of the basket, that was the purpose, then he would be allowed to move the whole thing, the muksa with the non muksa, and the same thing with the pillow and the, and the money. If a person needed the space, so then we're not going to make him shake off the money into the space because it doesn't help him. We would just say he can move the pillow together with the money to a different spot. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Rabbi Yudah Omer Afmaun. So this is a little tricky Gemara here. Uh, we're talking about the issue of being misaki, you know, fixing on Shabbos. So that's an Isra Darbanan. It's like fixing the Messiah on Shabbos is also Darbanan. So if you have stuff which is forbidden to eat the way it is until you tithe, so tithing is also Darbanan because it's like you're fixing the produce on Shabbos. So, for example, if you have Tevo, you can't take off Trimah, you can't take off Miser. So we're talking about Medumah. So what's Medumah? Medumah, the halacha is that truma, even though on the Raisa level, it's bottle in a majority, by Midrabanan, they say you need one, uh, you need a hundred times the amount of kulan to be about the truma. And even when there are a hundred times the amount of truma, the amount of time of kulan more than truma, but you still have to take off one random part and give it to the kohen. Now, there's there's two aspects. There's the iser of the truma becoming nullified that will allow me to eat it, and then there's the fact that the kohen deserves his money. So if I drop the kohen's truma into a huge pot of kulan. Uh, so maybe I'm allowed to eat the pot, and then we could say that the truma is bottle as long as there's 100 parts of hulin more than the one part of truma. But the coin still deserves his money. So I take out one portion from the pot out of the 100, and I give it to the coin. That's the halacha generally about meduma. So the Gemara is talking about the machlokas tanam, and our Mishnah could a person take off that one in 100 from a pile of meduma on Chavez. Am I fixing it? So on the one hand, yes, because, right, that's the din. That's what you're supposed to do, right? You're not supposed to... 
You're not supposed to eat from the from the pile, even if there is a hundred times more kula than than truma, until you've satisfied the coin the coin's monetary law that you have to give him the one or hundred. That was the expected halacha. And yet, Rabbi Yehuda is coming along and saying that that's not the truth. Rabbi Yehuda is saying even though you can't fix, you can't take off, you can't take off truma sometimes on Shabbos, but this thing, this type of taking off, you could. If a person has truma fallen to a hundred times of kula, they could take off the one hundredth. And for the coins, it doesn't need for the coin on Shabbos. So the Gemara challenges on my Kamasaka, and you're fixing. Why are you allowed to do that? Says the Gemara, that the Truma part of the mixture is always viewed like it's distinct. It's not really mixing with the rest. What does that mean? The concept here is a fascinating concept that when the one Truma falls into the hundred, even when it's becoming bottle, since Chazal are saying that you take off one one hundred to give to the coin. The way that's viewed is that the, that one was always the truma. And we view that it was never really mixed with the rest of the hulin. So even though, obviously it's mixed and I can't point to where it is, but the dinner, this is the way that was legislated, the understanding of the dindra bonnet to take off 100 to give it to the Kohen, is that we're going to view that one 100 that you give to the Kohen as that being the truma that was always distinct remained apart by itself. Where do we see this concept? So then, and therefore, applying it to us, it's not going to be, I'm not fixing anything. If something would be like, like Teva, where, 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 where there's a din to take off Truma, okay? So clearly, I'm fixing it when I, when I, when I tithe. But here, I'm not really tithing. That's not what's taking place. I'm not tithing. What I'm doing is, I'm taking that there was Truma. It fell in. And I'm taking the Truma out. That's not tithing. So therefore, it's not called fixing, and that's not forbidden on Javas. The same way it would be true, let's say, just to bring out hypothetically, the truma falls in, and you knew which one the, the truma was. If you would go take out the truma, that wouldn't be us. You're not fixing anything on Shabbos. It was never really answering if you just had to take it out. So to here, when the truma fell in into the 100 parts school, you just had to take out the truma. You're not really like fixing something. You're not tithing. Where do we see this concept? It's not we learned in a mission of Sachem, which turned up the Bachas Nevin Idmu. Let's say a sub trim up fell into less than 100 sub kulin. And therefore, it was all Asr, because remember, you need 100 times kulin. Then some of that forbidden mixture falls into another place that has less than 1 in 100. So let's say it fell into 1 in 50. So the whole, the whole pile now is Asr. And then. From that, uh, from, from that 50 pile of 50 where one is truma, we don't know where it is, now one falls into a different pile of 50 chulin. So what's the halacha? The part that fell in makes a new maduma as if it was certain truma. So in, we view that the one that came out of the first pile, that's for sure truma. And when it goes into the second pile, it's going to also the second pile. That's Rebbe Lazar's view, as if we're saying whatever comes out of the pile of Meduma is treated like certain Truma, it's treated like a distinct Vadai Truma. So once it went into the first pile, one in 50, whatever could gonna come out, Rebbe Lazar's view is that the next thing that comes out from that pile is gonna be treated like Vadai Truma. So when it falls into another pile of 50, it's gonna ask for the second pile. The way it works is that you have to, you have to make a calculation of the proportion. So let's say my example, where it's one in 50, so when now another one falls in, you're not gonna view that one, that one big thing of 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 of, of uh, truma is coming out. It's not like that. You view from that port, from that portion that came out, one fiftieth of it is considered to be truma. So when it falls into a second pile, now you have to make your calculation. If, if, if the volume that's coming in of this new item is one fiftieth truma, is there going to be in the second pile enough to that that now instead of being one fiftieth, it will be one in a hundred? If yes, it could become bottle. So therefore, the Rabbanon are saying, and that makes sense, if, if, if that, the Rabbanon basically are saying when truma falls into to Hulin and it's dispersed and we don't know where it is, the way we view it is that there's like a little bit of truma everywhere. That's the Tarubis. It's an, it's an uncertain mixture. So whatever comes out, we view in a proportionate sense, that's the amount of truma that, there, that, it, that, that it's in it. Rabbi Lazar is not looking at it that way. Rabbi Lazar is looking at it 
that whatever comes out is treated like Vadai Truma. So we're saying, so the same way that according to Rabbi Lazar, Truma, the mixture is always considered like it's its own distinct Truma. Whatever comes out is, is like a definite Truma coming out. So too by us. According to Rabbi Lazar, when someone takes out of the Meduma, the 1 100th, he's taking out the Truma. He's not fixing anything. So the Gemara says, no. Rabbi Lazar was only saying that concept to make a stringency. Like in that case where he said it, that when it fell into 150, then what comes out isn't 150th of Truma. What comes out is going to be treated like a Vada Truma. That's like a Chumra stringency. Would he say that where it creates a Kula? In our case, we want to say, therefore, you're allowed to fix it on Shabbos because it's not really tithing. It's not really fixing. It's just kind of taking out the Truma. You don't know Rabbi Lazar would create that for a leniency. So Mar says, Alukam Rab Shimon. We find the concept of Rab Shimon because now it says in the Mishnah, saw Truma Shinafalamea. Let's say one saw Truma fell into 100 Safalamea. So it should be okay, right? It should become bottle, and all you have to do is take out one 100 to give to the coin. But you didn't have the chance to take out one 100 until another saw of Truma fell in. So now the ratio of Truma is 1 in 50 instead of being 1 in 100. So what's the dinner? Everything's also because bottom line is, the Rabbanan are saying is that we don't view like the bittle of happening to the Truma until you take out the 1-100. So since I hadn't taken out 1-100 from the pile, so now the second the second Truma falls in. So now it reawakens, so to speak, the power of the Truma that was there. And now they team up. And now the ratio will be uh, greater than 100. It will be 1 in 50. And therefore, it will be forbidden. For Reb Shimon, Mater, Reb Shimon's Mater, Reb Shimon permits it. Why is he Why is he saying it's okay? So the idea seems to be that according to Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon's saying that as soon as the trimma, the first trimma mixed with the 100 Hulin, it's viewed as if the trimma is by itself, as if it's its own distinct entity. You just, yes, technically you have to take it out. But even before you took it out, we view that the trimma is not really mixed with the Hulin. It's a technicality that you have to take it out. But we don't view it as really being part of mixed together with it. So therefore, when the second sub falls in, we don't view it that it's together. It's falling together now with another sub trimma and they can meet up together. We don't say that. We view the trimma part as if one part is already distinct and virtually gone, just technically hasn't been taken out. And now the second trimma is by itself. It's fighting its own battle. So therefore, it's not enough to answer. So Reb Shimon's concept is what we want in our Mishnah. Reb Shimon's concept is that once something falls into one in a hundred, so the one one hundred that has to be taken out is viewed as separate, distinct, already by itself, not part of the mixture. And that's why it wouldn't be considered fixing when you take it out on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Mimai, how do you know that you got Reb Shimon's reason right? Maybe really the Machlux Tanakhama Reb Shimon is as follows. Tanakhama, Sakrach, and Zachazah, even though they fell separately, Quran, and Nafla, Zachazah, it says, if they fell together, so it says, if the, each sub fell into 50, and the reason is as if together, because since the din is that before you're allowed to eat it, you have to take out the part from the coin. So even though the first trimma already fell in, but since I hadn't taken out the part from the coin, so it's awesome. Shimon says, no, once the first thing fell in, it became bottle. It became nullified. Yes, there's a halacha. Yes, there's a halacha that you have to take out for the coin. But the bittle of the iser already took place. The bittle of the iser took place, meaning that we view that the truma no longer is forbidden to a non-Jew. That product, once it fell into 1 or 100, is something that can be consumed by a non-Jew. So actually, when the second uh, truma is falling in, you know how much it's falling into? 101 of Hulin, because the truma actually has the power of bittle, of nullification, that it turns into hetter. So since the person was aware of it, he, he, and he was planning on taking out the saw, even though he hadn't done it, we view as if the saw was removed, in the sense that now we're able to say that the, the, the that it's falling into total hetter. That's the idea. So the machlokas isn't whether truma ve'ina matal like we want. The machlokas is in the power of bittel. Whether we're able to say that as soon as a person is aware that it fell into one hundred but hasn't taken it out, whether or not we view the the power of bittel is already taking effect. 
but it has nothing to do with what we want. We want a different concept. We want a different concept by us that truma be'ina makro that we never view that the truma is really mixing with the rest, and therefore you're not fixing. We take it out on Shabbos, and the Gemara is claiming that we do not yet have a Tana who that we can explain that for Rabbi Yehuda. So the Gemara says Ella rather. There's a big kula. When you have truma and duma together, right, you're not supposed to eat it until you take off the coins, the coins portion. But, but you don't actually have to separate it. If you just look at one side, you can eat from the other side. Meaning, if you just mentally look at one side and think, I'm going to take off the 100 from this side, you can eat from the other side. So even though it hasn't been a physical, a physical tithing, it's still to me to eat the rest. So if you therefore says, that once you say a very lumdish asar, once the, I, there's a way to make this thing mutter without doing a misa of tikkun, I don't have to actually physically do something. I could just look at one end and eat from the other end. Therefore, if I do go ahead and do a physical action, I'm not doing a misa of tikkun because there's a way to make it mutter without doing this physical action. If the only way, if the only way to make this thing mutter is a physical action, so then that physical action is an act of fixing. It's a mice of ticking and it's forbidden. But if there's a way to get a hazard to eat this thing simply by looking at one side and eating the other side, then the act, even if I do formally go ahead and take out from it for the coin, but it's not considered an act that this thing is fixing the pile. However, the Gemara asks me, some of the Gemara also really agree with Rabbi Yudah, but the Palaga, it's actually Machlokas, the time it says in the Bryce, Rabbi Yudah, Omer, Manasim of Merchad, you can take out one part of Churim for the mixture of 100 parts on Hulin. Rabbi Shimon, you can't take out. All you can do, you could look at what's on it and, and eat from the other side because you're not doing anything, so there's no Maisa Tikkun. But you don't say the Svara, and therefore you can also fix it. So the Gemara is challenging what we're saying. Here we're saying that because Rabbi Yudah holds that you can look at one side and eat from the other side. Therefore, he says, you can even physically separate it. Here we see that, that the person who Gufa says that you can look at one side and eat on the other side does not allow you to physically separate it. So the Gemara explains, you're right. Rebuta goes even more lenient. Rebuta himself was only saying that it's not a Maisa to look at one side and eat from the other side, but you're not allowed to actually physically separate. Says Rebuta, you know what? Once you can look at one side and eat from the other side, you can take it a step further. You can physically separate. It's not a Maisa Dikkim since I had another way of doing it without physically separating. Okay, now we go back to Muxa. What happens if I have a big barrel, barrel wine or whatnot, and on the opening is a rock? So a rock is Muxa. So what do you do? But you want to drink from the wine. So you tilt over the, the barrel on its side and the stone can fall off. The person is allowed to do that. So what's the idea? Again, you're trying to get to the Muxa, to the Hatzar, to get the wine. So therefore you're allowed to do it without directly moving the rock. You're doing a near, you're shaking off the rocks that you can get to the Matur item. That is permitted. But let's say the barrel is between other barrels. So it's very dangerous. If you spill the rock here, it might, it might fall onto another barrel and break it. So you don't want to you don't want to tilt it and, and shake it off here. So what do you do? Then you, you carry the whole thing the way it is, even though you're carrying the rock, move it to a safe place, and only there do you tilt it off. And here again, what we see from the Mishnah is that the Chovas Nir, as long as one has a good excuse, so to speak, why they don't want to do it here, they are allowed to then carry the muksa with the non-muksa and then only shake it off in a safer place. It says in the Mishnah Mosh, if money is on the pillow, you shake off the pillow, so it falls off. And as we explained, here in the case here, you want to use the pillow. So you don't have a right to just stop move. You have a chovas near. So you shake off, you shake off the money that's there. Haisa, okay, so we talked about a pillow. So now we talk a little bit more about pillows here. Haisa, let's say something dirty on Shabbos. You want to clean it. So you can wipe it with a rag, but you're not allowed to put water. The reason you can't put water is because that's cleaning. That's libun. 
Whenever you put water on something, that's a problem. So you have to. So so you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to put the actual water on it. or let's say it's made of leather. Then you could pour water until it goes away. What's the idea? The idea is that just pouring water does not clean leather. In order to actually clean leather, to be an act of wandering leather, leather, you have to also be doing more than just pouring water, like rubbing it and, or different spinnings that can be done to, to, to really clean it. But if you have a regular fabric, so even just applying water is forbidden on Shabbos. But if I'm dealing with leather, then just pouring water is permitted on Shabbos. Continues the Gemara. So, okay, so the case in the opening case in the mission was that I have a rock that's on top of the barrel. And we're saying it's a problem, it's muksa. And what I do is that I tilt it off and then shake it off and it's fine. So, Amar, from the the mission is only talking about where someone forgot the rock on the barrel. And someone intentionally left it there. That was like the spot to keep the rock. So then we're going to say that I can not allow to shake off the rock. I'm not allowed to move the barrel at all. The barrel is a holder, it's a bosses for the Dabar Ha'asr. So, and therefore you can't do anything. You can't move the barrel at all. So the only way to understand the Mishra is the Mishra is talking about someone who forgot the bar- who forgot the rock on top of the barrel. Because when you forget a muksa item and a non-muksa item, then the non-muksa item does not become a bosses. Bosses is only when it's in its place, when it's intentionally left there. Okay, continues the Mar. If it was, there were other there were other barrels there, so you don't want to shake it off there. So then I'm allowed to move it somewhere else. So the Gemara says, Montana. Who's the town who holds that whenever there's a you have a choice between moving something that's muksa, moving something that's not muksa, the hetera tarkinan, we always want you to move the hetter, um, the isur lotarkinan. We don't want you to move the isur. In other words, what's going on here? You clearly can't shake it off where it is here because it might break the barrel. That's clear. But so what are you gonna do now? We're gonna say that you carry the barrel with the rock together to somewhere else, and then you shake off the rock there. You also could say that once you're going to be moving the rock, why don't I just move the rock directly? So it sounds like that that we don't say that no. As long as you have an option to be moving the, the to be to be to be to be moving the hetter and not directly moving the isra, we always seek that option at all costs. That's what it sounds like. So the gemara is like a little bit surprised by that. In other words, the gemara is saying one would think that since you're going for the wine and the wine, the muksa item is blocking the wine, and anyways here you're not shaking it off in its place. So why don't you just carry it? Why, why, why don't you have a hatter just to take off the rock to get to the wine? Even just that should be okay. So what are we saying? Better to pick up the barrel with the rock to another place and shake it off. What are you really gaining? Must be there's a new yesai that we see from the Mishnah. That whenever there's a choice that you don't directly touch the muksa, always better not to do that. So the Gemara is challenging where that Tana is. We learned in the Mishnah, Mishnah is in Bay. We're talking about the issue, is there Boer and Yantif? Boer is the Malacha of sorting. Sorting, normally the Halacha is on Chavez. You're not allowed to do it. Unless three conditions are met. Unless you're using your hands, it's for immediate usage, and you're taking the ochel from the psulas, the good from the bad. On Yantiv, certain malachas are mutter for ochel nefesh. So what's the halacha? So the first opinion, Beishamai says, no different. On Yantiv. Someone wants to separate beans on Yantiv. So what do you do? Beishamai, you have to use, you have to take the food away from the psulas. Beishamai, there is, hold, there is bore in application on Yantiv. So you have to take the, the food from the bad, and obviously only with your hands for immediate usage. Basil says, no, there's no bar on Yantif. So bar Kedarko, you can do it in the regular way. What does regular way mean? You could take the bad from the good. But you shouldn't use like a regular kli that you would use to separate like large items. You should just do it in your lap with a big plate. So you should do a shin. You shouldn't do it in a way that, that, that normally stores large amounts because that's not, you know, Yantif to do that. But you should, you could do... A borer of solas from Ochel <coughs> Anyantif. And again, the idea is that Anyantif malachas that are the Tzarek Ochel Nefesh are mutter. 
comes along with Shem Gamliel. So, so where we are right now, Basil is saying that that no matter how much psulas there is, you can always clear away the psulas from the Ochel. There's no Bore issue on Yantav. Now, that's all in terms of Bore. But if you think about it, there's another issue lurking here. Psulas, the residue is also muksa. So what are you doing? You're moving away muksa on Yantav. We have the laws on muksa. You're moving away muksa in order to get to the food. So what, why, to understand, we can understand Basil is saying there's no Bore issue, but why is there no muksa issue to move the psulas? It must be. And that the idea is because you're just trying to get to the food. And since you're just trying to get to the food, it's just, it's not shot like I'm moving the muksa. It's just the one big act of taking the food. Now, these are real big, you know, like big chidushim and understanding because directly my hands go to the muksa and they move away the muksa. But since I'm doing it in terms of get to the food, so that really is okay according to Beisol, even though all my, I'm moving away all the psula. So again, there's two chidushim in Beisol. Number one is that it's not a problem with Bore and Yantif, and that's why I'm allowed to take the psula to Noah. Number two, is that if that it's not a problem to be moving the psalis despite the fact that psalis is moksa because I'm doing it to get for the food. So Amar Shem Gamliel and Amar Shem Gamliel says, when is that true that you take the dad from the good that's only where there's more food than good. So therefore, it, it's a lot, it would be a lot more effort not to move the moksa. There's much more, there's much more ochel here than psalis. So if you tell me that I have to, uh, that that I have that I have to take the ochal and be expending. I, I would I would be doing a lot more effort there. Where Mako will be allow you to move the most to get to the food. I have a move the ochal, but if the psolas is more than the ochal, so that meaning that 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 actually it's going to be more work to take away the psolas than Then everybody agrees that you should take the food and you should take the food and leave the moksa. What's the idea? Because what's your heter? Right, Rashim Gamliel is saying, what's your head to, to move the muksa? Your head to, to move the muksa is I'm trying to get to the food. But you're actually doing it in a way that's more effort, right? There's going to be more effort because there's more psalas here. So says Rashim Gamliel, why don't we just, why don't we ditch that? We should say, we should say that if you have a choice between between moving the muksa psalas and moving the non-muksa food, we opt very much to move the food that's not muksa. Moving the muksa is always like a last resort if you're absolutely forced. So that opinion of Rishim and Gamliel would be, would, would be manifest in our mission as well. Here you have a rock on top of a barrel and you want to get to the wine. So Rishim and Gamliel is going to say, it's a last resort to move the rock. We would always prefer that you move the barrel with the rock in order to get to the wine and not directly just move the rock to get to the wine. Now, again, it's a fascinating thing. It sounds like without Rav Shimon Gamliel or the first opinion of Basil, we would really, you have had to just take off the rock, even though there's Kovas near, but you can't shake it out here because of the barrels. So you're either going to move the whole barrel and the rock somewhere else or just move the rock. So the Gemara saying you really should be allowed to move the rock because I'm trying to get to the wine. So I'm really, it's really just an act of taking out the wine. The same thing over there with doing Boran of taking the psalts away from the Ochel, which Basil allows, because you're just trying to get to the food. Really, that should be allowed. But why is our mission of saying, don't take the rock, but rather carry the whole barrel with the rock somewhere else? It must be there's this new Yusuf of Shema Gamliel. That we, it's like, at it, it all, all costs, we really don't want to see Muxa getting moved. Whenever there is at least some option, some good option of moving Hatter, we would prefer it to see that way. So the Gemara challenges the analogy. In our case, in our case, what's it like? It's like a case where there's more, where the food is more than the psalas. What is going to be more effort here? At Lachayra, there's much more effort to move the whole barrel with the rock than there would be to just move the rock. So Rav Shem Gamliel, even Rav Shem Gamliel, he agrees that if there would be less effort to move the muksa, you're allowed to move the muksa, right? If there's psalas merubah, then Beitzel does allow you to move the psalas. 
Because you're allowed to move muksa to get to the food if that's the way that it will be the least effort. So, so to here, what's going to be the lesser effort? We have the Gemara is assuming to move the rock. So you should be allowed to move the rock off to get to the wine instead of picking up the barrel with the rock and going somewhere else. So here you should mamish be allowed to take the rock. So the Gemara answers, keep it by the Mishka. Since if you're going to actually go to take wine, and anyways, you're going to have to pick up the barrel and turn it over. When you go to take out your wine, at some point you're going to have to pick up the barrel. So it's like the case, but there's no so less. At some point you're going to have to take off the barrel from the ground. So it's more effort to take the stone first by itself off and then pick up the barrel and empty it. That would be more effort than just picking up the barrel once, moving it to a place where it's good, shake off the rock, and then pour out the wine right away. That's the point of the Gemara. This way you only will have to pick up the barrel once. Right there, you'll have to pick up the barrel twice. That's the, that's the idea of the Gemara. So that's why we do not we do not say take the rock off because here I'm doing two separate things. I'm gonna have to take the rock and then I'm gonna have to go pick up the barrel. That's more effort. That's why here in our Mishnah we say we say that you should just pick up the barrel, tilt off the rock in a proper place, and then you can immediately just pour out the wine. And again, that's because of the Israel that we're always looking to minimize. Um, minimize, we're always trying to prefer that you don't do muksa, you don't carry the muksa to, to, to get to the food, unless that's the last effort. But as long as it's not the last effort, then we would always expect you to move the non-muksa instead of the muksa. Very difficult little tricky piece of the Gemara. But I think the biggest chiddish to take away in the Gemara here is that really there is a, a, a heter in muksa to move a muksa thing to get to a food, right? So you're trying to just take out food. Really, that's mutter. The Gemara is like this new idea here. But if there's still a way to do it without moving the muksa, we prefer it as long as it's less effort. But if it's more effort, then you can just move the muksa. Okay, continues the Gemara. We said that uh, if there were other barrels there, then you could you pick it away. You don't have to tilt it off there to break them. So the Gemara says, Tiny says, in Let's say the cask is in a big storehouse with other ones. There's a lot of glass nearby, so it might break if the, if the stone goes on that. You go somewhere else, and then you tilt there. You take whatever wine you need and you bring the cast back. I am not sure exactly what the Gemara is adding here from this Brisa. Okay, says the Mishnah the money that's on the pillow, you shake off, they can fall off, fall away. So you can't, you're not allowed to move the money with the pillow, you just shake it off. Says the That's this whole case is all where you forgot the money. I mean, yeah, someone who left the money on purpose intentionally before Shabbos on the pillow, now it's a buses, so the pillow now is a buses. So you're not allowed to shake it off at all. Since it's made, it's intentionally, I'm putting down the money, so it's a total bust, so then I wouldn't be allowed to shake it off. Another point. This idea that you're required to shake it off and not move it together is only because you only need the pillow to use. Where I need not to use the pillow, but I need the space where it is, so shaking off the money is not going to help me because I still need the space. Then you move it with the money on it. Continues the Mishnah. We said the money is on the pillow, you shake it out. Okay, so now the Gemara tells more things about moving money. Someone forgot a purse with money in a chata, right? So no issue of hotzah. The issue is you can't move money. But the question is, I'm going to lose, right? It's a question of have some mammon here. So is there any leniency in muksa? So the Gemara says, yes, there is. You're allowed to put a non-muksa item on it and then move them together. Now, this is a big kula. Normally, you're not allowed to stop do that. Right here, you really want to move the, 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 the wallet, right? You can't move the wallet. Oh, so I'll put on a piece of bread, I'll move it. So that, that, that sounds pretty pretty fishy. But the Gemara is saying that there's a kula that the Rabbanan gave that muksa, we could be lenient in a case of Hafsin Mamun, not to directly move the muksa, but to move the muksa together with something that's not muksa. 
got a very important brick in a, in a, in a courtyard where it's not protected and it's, and it's worth valuable. You put a nomic item on it and you move it. Says the Gemara story. I'm the Rashila Marvasi Pamachas one time. They one time forgot a pouch filled with money in a public place. So Bob shows Rabiel from the Ask Rabiel from Fairlight Move Bumbleland. Rabiel Khan said, Hanukla Kikortini with Hazel. Why don't you just put some bread on it and move it? So Mam Shalakhlamaisa. All these cases only if you forgot it there. If you left it on purpose, you're not allowed to be maker. Right? This whole thing is for someone who forgot it and he's stuck. But if someone did it, did, did, someone did it lachila, we do not allow them. To rely on these kulas. Now, according to what everyone know until now, we've been saying that muksa, you're allowed to move muksa with non muksa if it's a question of losing money. But now the Gemara says, Ravashi, I'm Even if you forgot the muksa there, you do not have a hazard. The only time the rabbis were mako in all muksa cases to move something with non muksa is one case, if there's a corpse, a dead body, you should cover up rios, the rabbana were mako, that you're allowed to put a piece of bread on it and move it. But every other situation, including loss of money, we are not Mako, says Ravashi. You are not allowed to move the wallet together with the non muksa item, and that is as well the halacha. We are not Mako for muksa just the Tzarek moment. Says the Gemara, there were different people, Amaram, who did rely on Abai, Manach, Kapar, Kibra, Abai put a spoon on different sheaves of grain to move them, right? The sheaves of grain were muksa, and he put a spoon to move it together. Rabbi Manach, Sakina, by Yonamatat, Rabbi put a knife on a raw dovmi, raw dovmi was muksa, he put a knife on it to move it. So they, they evidently did follow, but the Gemara said, again, the Gemara is not saying that's not Allah, but the Gedis Amaram did. So Amar Aviyosi, Kama Kharibish, Maizadaraki. Look how sharp these, what these people are saying are. Because Amar Amar Abbanam Meshokhech, Abbanam only said, if you forgot, Amar did you say, if you, if to, to leave it there in the first place? So by the rubber, we're wrong for using it because the, the sheaves and the doves were in the normal place. They weren't forgotten. So if they're not forgotten, then you don't really have the kula to rely on just putting kikar or tina. Continues the Amar Amar Abbanam, Labda Mokhashavan, so five of are defending themselves. If not, for the fact that I'm very, you know, like everyone's looking at my actions and I have to be very careful what I do. The truth is I don't even need the spoon. There's no problem. You could just recline on these sheaves. So they're not muksa at all. So the whole premise is that the sheaves are muksa and you want to move them. Abai is saying, really, if not for Adam Khashab, there was no question here at all. You could just move the sheaves. They're, they're, they're not muksa at all. They're suitable for lying. So the whole thing was a stringency. So since the whole thing was a stringency, that's why I was mako uh, to put the spoon on it. Amarava, and the same thing with Rava's case with the Dovmin. I know he loves them, Chash, and often they're talking about Chash, but I can't even, you know, why do I even need the knife on the raw Dovmin? Chazilumsa, raw Dovmin, you can suck on what raw, so it's not mux at all. The knife was not Chumar Ba'almaz. So Namar analyzes it. So it sounds like from Rava, the only reason he would be allowed to read the, to move the raw meat is because he could suck on it. Hello, Chazilumsa, if it wouldn't be good to suck on it, it wouldn't be good. It would be muksa. Now, why would it be muksa? Because people wouldn't eat it. I, an animal would eat it. Remember the Rabbis, you love it. Must be holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds, right? We know how broad the machlokas of Rabbi Yehuda is in Muksa. But one of the points of Rabbi Yehuda's commerce is that something that's prepared for human beings is not considered prepared for animals. So meaning, if in the beginning of Shabbos and something is only to be used in the future for human food, so it's Muksa to be used for animal food, even if something changes. So, so that's Rabbi Yehuda's commerce. So, if you have this raw dove meat over here, so, so, so according to Rabbi Shimon, you should be allowed to eat it because the animal would eat it. Allowed to move it because the animal would eat it, but according to Rabbi Yudar, no, we have to see that 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 it's it's mukhala adam. So love and mukhala klavim. We're not going to assume it's for for animals. So you're not allowed to move it. So it sounds like Rava, Rava's chumra. What Rava was saying the only reason he's allowed to move it is because he himself would suck on it. So it sounds like if he himself wouldn't suck on it, he wants to move it. It must be that Rava holds like Rabbi Yudah. Rava once told his shamish and shabbos fully be easy. Roast up a goose for me. and give the intestine to the cat. So what is the case here? So we're assuming 
right? The goose with all the with all the intestines and everything. Usually, when yontif starts, they're all made for people to eat. But once once the intestines come out of the goose, they're not considered human food on yontif. Once you separate them, the intestines now are not by themselves considered to be human human food because they're not considered you know yontif food. It's not. It's 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 like a very 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 low food. So the intestines on Yontif are changing from human food to animal food. A very interesting idea to get this case straight, right? Before the intestines are taken out and you grow the rest, the intestines are all just all made for human food. The goose is, it's all part of the goose. The goose is all made for human food. On Yontif, I separate the rest of the meat from the intestines. The intestines now are, are becoming only fit for animals. Rava is saying that you can move it and give it to the animal. That only goes like Rav Shimon. But according to Rabbi Huda, it would be moksa because in the onset of Yontif, it wasn't all made for the animals. So even though it subsequently changes on Yontif, it would be moksa. So here we see that Rabbi holds like Rabbi Shimon. So how earlier held like Rabbi Huda. So my answer is no. Awesome. There, keeping the Mizrach, since they would spoil if they'd be left over the next day. Dazi, let me ask him. Well, he had Das before Yontif to use it for the animal. Meaning, he this was the plan the whole time. Since it would spoil, otherwise you leave around. He had Das the whole time that uh, before Yontif that he was going to give the intestines to the animal. But really, he holds like Rabbi Huda. So Mar says, and Mar further this point that Rava holds like Rabbi Yudah. It's very much more logical that Rava really holds like Rabbi Yudah. Darsh Rava, Rava once lectured publicly, a woman can't go into a woodshed to take a piece of wood to stir up coals on Yontif. And the idea is that we want like Rabbi Yudah, wood is set aside for, 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 for fires. So for it's muksa. It's, it's muksa. Another halachah of coker broke on Yontif. Then you can't use it as firewood. What's the what's the reason? I when Yantif began, it was a cleat. So so why can't you use it now for firewood? It's no lot. It's considered to be a different entity. Once a cleat breaks on Yantif, it's considered a different entity. So it's muksa. So regular wood is not muksa on Yantif because you couldn't use it for fire. However, if I had a cleat that broke on Yantif, according to Rabbi Yehuda, because it's considered no it's a new entity. Before it was a kli, and now it's a piece of wood, and now it's a piece of firewood. So that halach also is like Rebuda. So we have all these proofs that Rebbe holds like Rebuda. So going so and it makes sense. And that was with the story with what we were saying here that the dove meat, the only reason Rebbe was saying that it wouldn't be muksa is because he himself personally would suck on it. But if he wouldn't suck on it, it would just be for Minaw, it switch for his dog, that would be muksa. And it must be our defense was good that the only reason why Rava allowed the intestines to be given to the cat on Yantif is because he knew before Yantif they were going to spoil and they had das to give it to uh, the cat.